Hi there, this is Julia Schieffer. Good news for our listeners. We're now producing two podcasts each month to give our followers more analysis of timely topics in the derivatives industry. Now, in these podcasts, we will continue to grill experts on what's going on in the news with the aim to help all of you have some more independent analysis and insight into what's behind these headlines and debates. And we could actually use your help. If you have a topic you want us to cover or an area you need more information on, please let us know at editor at derivesource.com. We will endeavor to keep these podcasts just under 20 minutes most of the time, so you can listen easily via your daily commute whilst walking to get your morning coffee or even on the treadmill. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hello and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. CFTC Commissioner J. Christopher Giancarlo recently released a white paper on swaps trading rules, which analyzes some of the flaws of how the CFTC has implemented its swaps trading regulatory framework. Now, in this paper, the commissioner proposes an alternative framework for regulating the swaps trading market which is more in line with the original intent and language of Dodd-Frank Title VII. For those of you not familiar with this white paper, it's called Pro-Reform Reconsideration of the CFTC Swaps Trading Rules Return to Dodd-Frank. This paper identifies various adverse consequences of the existing swaps trading rules, including an increase in market liquidity risk and the decrease in technological innovation. Additionally, this white paper proposes a pro-reform agenda, which, again, aims to better align with the nature of the swaps market and the original intent of Title VII under Dodd-Frank. I assume some of you have not yet had the chance to read this full white paper, which is in excess of 80 pages. So luckily for you, we have someone with us today who is deeply familiar with this white paper and can shed some light on its criticisms and its proposed pro-reform agenda. With me today, I have Jeff Steiner, counsel in the Washington, D.C. office of Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thanks, Julia. The introduction of new regulation is never an easy or well-received change by all parties. So why are CEF rules under fire first? Why focus on swaps trading rules rather than, say, CCP clearing rules? The concept of a CEF and a trading mandate were brand new to the swaps market. Sure, market participants utilized electronic platforms in the years leading up to Dodd-Frank, but those markets really developed in an organic fashion, and they weren't subject to a trading mandate or restrictions on a particular trade execution method. So in drafting the final CEF rules, the CFTC really didn't know what the full impact of those rules would be on the market almost really a a chicken and the egg situation. As the white paper notes, the agency was aggressive and somewhat restrictive in the manner in which SEFs can list swaps and operate. A number of core principles and other requirements driven out of the core principles that are written in the statute. And then you see things like the made available for trading mandate and the requirements on how those swaps can get listed. At this point, I think the agency and others are doing the right thing by looking at these regulations through a more refined lens to see what's working and what's not. Uh, Looking at things like liquidity, asking if the rules are actually promoting SEF trading rather than driving market participants to find other alternatives. Uh, Those are the types of things that the regulators should look at, again, because the full impact of how these regulations would affect the market really 
couldn't have been known at the time that they were written. And it, it does seem like the SEF rules could really benefit from some modification. With respect to the CCP rules and why those rules weren't looked at first, I think he can contrast the SEF trading rules from the clearing rules. For the most part, mandatory clearing rules have worked pretty well for U.S. market participants. Part of that probably has to do with the fact that many market participants were already clearing swaps. For example, in the credit space, folks had been clearing credit default swaps for years, even before the CFTC mandated that they be cleared. So the transition was a lot easier and I think a lot more intuitive for market participants to accept than this brand new SEF trading and mandatory trading regime that came out. In the white paper, Commissioner Giancarlo mentions several adverse consequences of the current swap trading rules. What are the consequences mentioned that you believe to be of most concern and why? I think liquidity issues are a really big concern. I think the white paper really focuses on those liquidity issues. Fragmentation, for example, is harming liquidity and sending capital overseas as Non-U.S. persons are looking to trade outside the U.S. on less restrictive trading platforms. We're seeing separate liquidity pools develop for U.S. persons and non-U.S. persons. And the risk is that once this fragmentation develops, and it already has developed to some extent, you aren't going to see those markets come back to the U.S. Further, the white paper notes the issues surrounding the effects of regulatory action to curtail the use of name give-up for its impact on market liquidity, which is a really interesting concept brought out in the white paper. That is, would sell-side dealers remove liquidity from the market as a result of restrictive requirements on give-ups? I think another big concern is the hindrance of technological innovation. The SEF trading rules presume that there are only two acceptable methods for executing a what's known as a required transaction, that is one that is subject to a trading mandate that must be executed on a swap execution facility or a designated contract market. And those types of transactions, those required transactions, are required to be either executed on a central limit order book or with an RFQ process. As the white paper explains, there may be better execution methods that provide for greater transparency and better pricing that wouldn't be permitted as an acceptable execution method. I think just thinking about it, it could vary by market, by products, you know, by a number of different factors. That one execution method, one that we haven't thought of now, may actually be more efficient. Just thinking off the cuff about some of the technological innovations that we're seeing with virtual currencies and blockchain technology, I think one would think that such technology or, or something similar to that type of technology could find its way into the execution of derivatives transactions. So. I guess to an extent, disincentivize innovation that would allow for improved execution methods that may actually lead to more transparency, easier oversight for regulators. I definitely feel like anything that could restrict any of this type of innovation would certainly be a concern. The proposed alternative to swaps trading framework is extensive, and it ranges from a focus on proficiency of market participants to increasing the flexibility of execution. Out of the various different proposals, which changes do you think are the most realistic and will have the greatest impact? I'll start out by saying I, I do think that the changes in the white paper are intended to operate as a package. I think Commissioner Giancarlo makes, makes that point very clear. But I think that said, the change that it will probably have the greatest impact 
would be permitting the more flexible execution methods. Allowing other execution methods could help with market fragmentation issues, liquidity issues, and wouldn't stifle innovation. And I think a number of other fixes that are referenced throughout the white paper could see some improvement based on allowing for more flexible execution methods. I also think it's realistic to expect to see some change on this front as Europe and and the SEC in the United States have indicated uh, more flexible execution methods. So harmonization with other rule sets uh, could help to drive that change. I think another issue that the CFTC should consider and and reexamine and is mentioned in the white paper has to do with the made available for trade or what's uh, known as the MAT process. Under the current rules, SEFs and DCMs can make a swap available to trade and thereby they bind the market participants to execute those swaps on a SEF or DCM simply by self-certifying that those swaps to the CFTC. This is a process that's uh, served the futures market uh, very well over the years, but the CFTC in this case doesn't need to follow a process for the determination. And uh, the swaps market, as it's highlighted throughout the white paper, is uh, is different than the futures market. It's It's a global market. There's fungibility between contracts. And I recognize that the industry certainly has resource constraints that have been highlighted over the years. But it strikes me that the CFTC would want greater oversight over this process that would have a binding effect on market participants and how they can execute swaps. Is there a recommendation in the proposed pro-reform agenda that you find particularly surprising or even problematic? That's a great question. I, I, I think one of the surprising recommendations in the agenda was the proposal to raise the standards of professionalism for market personnel. Included in this discussion within the paper is uh, a requirement to take exams like the Series 3 or the Series 7 or or other types of proficiency exams. And uh, those requirements, depending on who they're placed on and how they're implemented or if they're implemented, could prove to be burdensome for certain market participants. We've seen in other spaces, such as the introducing broker space uh, after swaps were introduced. There were a number of burdens with respect to exam taking and uh, taking the Series 3. And uh, after consideration, the agency lifted those requirements. So I think the reason that that this particular aspect is is surprising is I think folks that maybe don't, you know, from an outside perspective that look at the white paper may view it as a rollback. But this particular provision, I mean, and some of the others, this clearly is not a rollback. This would be a more restrictive requirement. So I guess just overall, as with any of the rules and any of the suggestions and any of the changes, the rules should be implemented in a manner where they carefully consider the costs and consequences on the market participants. Now, market participants and groups such as ISDA, for instance, have already expressed their support of the publication of this white paper. Do you expect regulators will revisit the SEF rules as a result of the recommendations and opinions expressed in this white paper? And if so, what is the uh, likely process to follow? I do think they're going to revisit the rules. I think uh, CFTC Chairman Massad has already said in testimony and in some of his speeches that even in looking at the SEF rules, he acknowledged that some fine-tuning of the rules may be necessary and may occur. So 
from that perspective, I do think the leadership at the CFTC, Chairman Massett, and, and certainly some of the other commissioners see it as an important agenda item in the upcoming year and, and maybe into the future to fix some of those issues. I think we could see, as far as what the process entails, I think we're already seeing, you know, with the white paper and some of the suggestions, discussions with market participants. We've seen roundtables where operators of swap execution facilities, market participants that use swap execution facilities and others uh, have been invited to talk and discuss certain issues with the rules and what they're seeing in the markets. I think we could see a rule proposal that maybe amends some of those rules and that would go out for public comment and solicit feedback. But I think we've also seen, and certainly over the last five or so years, almost five years since Dodd-Frank and since the rules have been implemented, that there are many ways to tweak the rules. We've seen probably hundreds of no-action letters. We've seen interpretations. We've seen other agency uh, guidance come out that's helped to provide the market with some certainty and ideas about how the agency views certain rules. Great. Thank you, Jeff, for speaking with us today and sharing your insight. So it seems that regulatory reform will continue to evolve, including more debate and possibly some tweaks in the near future. And I'm curious if you out there, our listeners, believe this to be true. In fact, we're running a very quick and anonymous survey on this very topic. So please do go to the podcast notes page on DriveSource.com, where you can participate in this very short survey. Otherwise, thank you for listening to today's podcast. Tune in soon for more expert analysis and interviews on timely topics. Please also look to our podcast notes page for more information on this topic. Thank you again for listening. Join us next time. 